Welcome to Trail Effect episode 22. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you'll hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 22, we bring you the third installment of the Copper Harbor series. Better late than never for this one. Sam Raymond is our guest. Sam is the owner of the Keweenaw Adventure Company and a founding member of the Copper Harbor Trails Club. Sam has had a hand in nearly everything mountain biking and trails in Copper Harbor. One thing Sam would like me to mention that we did not touch on during this show is the fact that there are four total trail networks in the Keweenaw Peninsula, which include Churning Rapids in Hancock, Michigan Tech Trails in Houghton, Sweet Town Trails in Calumet, and of course the extensive trail network in and around Copper Harbor itself. Sam truly has a wealth of knowledge on this region. If you have not had a chance, you should also check out parts one and parts two of the Copper Harbor series with Aaron Rodgers and Chris Gaber. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer of Trek Bicycle Company and Salsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. So here we are with Trail Effect. We got Sam Raymond here from the Keweenaw Adventure Company and Copper Harbor, former president of Copper Harbor Trails Club and doer of probably everything in that community when it comes to trails and outdoor recreation in general. How's it going today, Sam? Oh, most excellent. How about yourself, Josh? Going good. It's a, the snow is starting to melt and spring is in the air. We, we kind of have that feeling up here, but uh, it is March and it is the UP. So inevitably there's more in store. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's dig into your backstory. Obviously, Copper Harbor, for those who don't know, is a very unique area. You don't, as it's been said in other recordings, you don't just end up there by chance. You have to purposely go there. It's a peninsula and it is a dead end. Let's hear about how you landed in, in Copper Harbor and your backstory with just getting there in general. Yeah, well, uh, Copper Harbor is off the beaten path without a doubt. And, and that's part of what makes it nice. Um, you have to really make a concentrated effort to get up here, uh, centrally located in the middle of nowhere, um, but yet it is rather central. You know, it's, it's almost kind of equidistant if you drew a circle from Detroit, Grand Rapids, Chicago, Milwaukee, Madison, Twin Cities, that kind of whole radius. Um, it's anywhere from about a seven to ten hour drive from that whole region. So it's a long way from everywhere, but yet kind of central in between. So my story began in Copper Harbor um, as, a, as a kid. I've been coming up here my whole life. My family's had a cottage just outside of Copper Harbor since the early 70s. My dad originally went to Michigan Tech University in Houghton, which is about an hour south of here, and kind of fostered his love for the area, and then wound up taking my mom up here on their honeymoon um, in the early 60s. Um, they would be regular visitors up here, and then they had the chance uh, to buy some property and bought a little cottage in the early 70s, and we were able to get away every summer and spend significant blocks of time up here. So it really got in my blood from a young age. Through high school and college, I worked summer jobs in Copper Harbor. Copper Harbor is a tourist-based community. Lots of shops and restaurants and motels and resorts and 
I, I especially worked at one restaurant in particular, the Tamarack Inn, for probably about five summers um, when I was a kid. I grew up in southeastern Michigan, um, a town not too far from the Ohio border, 630 miles from Copper Harbor. So it instilled um, a great love of our great state um, at an early age for me, making that 11-hour journey. I always thought that Michigan got better the farther north that you would go. You know, you, you start driving up through the northern LP and you kind of hit the forest and then you get to the Mackinac Bridge and it's like, wow, and then you're in the UP and it just kept getting better and better. And ultimately it climaxed when you, once you got to Copper Harbor, which is as far north as you can go, obviously. So. So how did you end up with uh, with the drive to get into the Q&A Adventure Company? Well, it's a story that kind of really began with my childhood um, and, and my connection to Copper Harbor and my love for the place. Um, going back to college, probably the single greatest event that really changed the trajectory of my life um, was that of a purchase of my first mountain bike um, back in the early 90s, uh, fully rigid cantilever brake giant Rincon. Um, I started doing some riding um, in Lower Michigan at that time when I went to college. And shortly after then, I moved to Colorado, which is really where my love for the sport blossomed. Living in Denver initially, I started doing a lot of riding in the foothills and, and a lot of the trails around the city there. And eventually, I made my way up to the mountains. I can remember one instance in particular going up to Vail Mountain, and they would ride the gondola back at that time. You could haul the bikes up on top of the gondola, and they didn't really have so much single track, but I just remember bombing down like the fire roads and the catwalks and just these extended vertical descents at a high rate of speed. Of course, I wasn't wearing a helmet back then, and just um, the thrill of all of that, you know, and I didn't know how to ski at the time, but it really made me want to learn how to ski um, as a result of that mountain experience. That, that first winter out there, I did learn how to ski. I picked it up rather quickly, having played hockey most of my life, um, just the balance and edge control and everything. And so ultimately, that kind of changed my life. And, you know, kind of long story short, I became a ski bum, um, had the opportunity to move up to the Vale Valley, lived with a good friend of mine who had a room available in a house that he owned and did that for many years. Skiing in the winter, biking in the summer, could go from one right to the next. During that time, it was kind of the golden years of mountain biking out west. Um, seems like places like Moab and Fruta um, were really falling into their own. Um, I had the opportunity to make numerous trips out there during that time, and it really kind of inspired me for what Copper Harbor could potentially become. In particular, I think it was 1996, I made a summer trip back to Copper Harbor to visit my family, and I had my mountain bike with me. And that was really the first time I had done any riding, any mountain biking around Copper Harbor. Um, and I saw the area from a whole new perspective from that of a bike. And um, during that trip, my bike broke down and I was really bummed because there was really nobody that could help me to repair it. So I you know, missed out on the last couple of days of my trip and wasn't able to ride. Also during that time, my parents were talking about selling the family cottage. Um, they were getting more up in their years and it was harder for them to maintain and it wasn't getting used as much. And that kind of set off a red flag in my head and um, kind of challenged me to reprioritize my life. Like, whatever you do, please don't sell the cottage. It's irreplaceable. I uh, got a great view, you know, right on Lake Superior. 
And on that long drive back to Colorado, the seed was kind of planted. And I started thinking of like, how could I move back to Copper Harbor? How could I make a living up there? And started thinking of the similarities of my experiences out West and what I saw happening in Moab and Fruta and some of these places and some of these remote off the beaten path, access to lots of open space and land. And um, kind of had this harebrained idea to open a bike shop back in Copper Harbor before there was really any trails up here. I came back in 97, I believe. I spent the full summer back in Copper Harbor. I was working um, as a waiter at the Mariner North Resort and at the same time trying to familiarize myself more with the backcountry and becoming more acquainted um, with the area, looking at opportunities. I remember the owner of the Mariner, Don Cowpey, he, not a mountain biker, but he had a vision. I remember one night he broke out this big topo map that he had of the whole peninsula. And he had all these routes kind of mapped out on all these old logging roads and dirt roads and two tracks. And, you know, he had like a red trail and a green trail and a blue trail and all these different loops that you could go out on the tip area, keep on a point. And, um, you know, that really just helped to affirm my belief that something could be done here. Um, his son, Dan, was also a big supporter at that time and helped to kind of motivate me to move forward. It's also around that time that summer, um, I met my good friend, Steve Rowe. Remember, he was sitting on a bench in front of the general store having a beverage. He was actually on his bike. I think he was just taking a little break. And uh, I pulled in with my rig from with Colorado plates and a mountain bike on the back. And back then, you saw another mountain biker in town. And your eyes really opened up. I'm like, oh, wow, there's a mountain biker here, you know? So we struck up a conversation and immediately kind of struck up a friendship. I think it wasn't long after that we went on our first ride together. Steve grew up in the area. He was one of the original mountain bikers up here. He knew the area like the back of his hand. This is really before GPS. And he just knew all of these routes and backcountry two tracks and it was always an adventure riding with Steve. Sometimes you'd just be cruising down a tr like a two track and all of a sudden you would just pop into a patch of thimbleberries or something. It didn't even look like a trail and you kind of bushwhack your way through and then it would open up into this whole other trail. And we just did um, all these epic climbs. You know, we had this ride called the Triple Nipple, which was um, several of the high spots. There was Mount Bohemia, Mount Houghton and Mount Baldy. Um, we would do all of those rides. It'd be like a 40 mile ride all in one day. And just have these epic journeys. And, and Steve really helped to foster my passion for the sport up here and its potential. We shared kind of a similar vision of what it could become. I think it was 1998. I came back after uh, spending the winter in Colorado, came back to Copper Harbor for that summer, um, really with more of a plan in place, you know, to work towards starting this bike shop. Thought it was very doable. Um, it was during that summer that I got hired by the original owners of Keweenaw Adventure Company um, as a sea kayak guide. And they trained me in with that. And that was kind of part of my job, my work for that summer being a sea kayak guide in addition to continuing to work at the Mariner. So from there, things just kind of fell in my lap um, as far as the Keweenaw Adventure Company. Um, it was during that summer of 1998 that the, uh, the original owners, Steve and Julie Brim, ultimately wound up getting a divorce and they wanted to sell the business that they had founded in 1994. So there I was with my plan to start a bike shop and their intention to sell the Keweenaw Adventure Company, which already had its own identity and its brand and its own clientele. So I wound up purchasing the Adventure Company in the fall of 1998. 
um, after that season. Began my first summer at the helm in 1999. Steve and Julie, they had done a good job of kind of creating this whole buzz about silent sports, human-powered adventures, you know, which was a real new thing for the area at that time in the early 90s. Um, it was very much in its infancy, but they definitely tapped into something. They specialized in sea kayaking, which Kibona Adventure Company continues to do today. Um, and then in the winter, they went year-round and they did dog sledding. I obviously discontinued the dog sledding end of it in the winter when I became the proprietor, but I really combined the sea kayaking uh, with my plans of a bike shop and uh, took over their location and, and made a pretty seamless transition there. Back in those early days at Kiwana Adventure Company, it was, it was very simple, uh, kind of humble beginnings. There was a lot of freedom and, and a lot of fun times. We had a real small staff at that time. Um, I remember when I was thinking about buying the business, one of my good friends, John Mylan, uh, who still lives here in Copper Harbor, he was bartending at one of the resorts at the time. And I remember one evening we were sitting at the bar and like, Johnny, thinking about buying the adventure company. And, and if I do, I need a guide. And would you want to be one of my kayak guides? And he's like, sure, why not? And he, uh, I held him to it, came back and talked to him like the next spring and wound up, uh, we went through some professional kayak guide training together and he committed and we got it through that first year. And it was also during that time in Colorado that I spent a, uh, did a course down at Barnett Bicycle Institute in Colorado Springs. And I met a good guy named Adam Songate, who was our first mechanic. John and Adam were really my first two full-time employees that year. And it was pretty much the three of us in addition to a third part-timer. Um, they kind of made it through that first season and they kind of laid the groundwork there. During those times, it was much slower than it is now. I remember sometimes I would just simply put like a sign on the door um, and then I would go out to guide a kayak tour. You know, I was doing it all then. I was kind of working behind the desk and working on the bikes and doing the kayak tours and whatever it took. And it was, it was easy then, you know, just be back at four o'clock out on a kayak tour, you know? So those days were fun and simple. At the same time, it was kind of a struggle and a challenge to keep things going. Um, those early years, um, I never made a profit, actually lost money. I continued to go to Colorado in the winter um, for a number of years out in the Vail Valley with that connection. I worked in the food service industry and was actually able to make decent money at that time of my life, uh, waiting tables. And my goal was to save up as much money as I can and come back with a pocket full of, of change and reinvest that to start up to keep the business going ultimately. And in addition to accumulating a fair amount of debt, ultimately lost money or even broke even for about 10 years before I finally made a profit. A lot of people would have given up long before then. That I was just passionate and persistent and, and kept believing in it. Um, we were gaining a lot of traction that was very evident. Um, things started starting to snowball on a small scale back then, but it wasn't enough to make it, but it was too much to walk away from. So obviously I stuck with it and uh, now we're kind of getting our payback after all these years. So it's been good. As far as Kiwana Adventure Company, a big breakthrough season was 2012. Um, I think that was shortly after. Um, Copper Harbor Trails had received their Silver Level Ride Center status from IMBA, uh, which was a real game changer. That's when my partner, now today in business and in life, Shelby, kind of came onto the scene. She saw that I was kind of a victim of my own success at that time. Um, things had grown so much so fast that the outdated paper binders and 
antiquated systems, you know, were no longer adequate. And she kind of knew if she was going to be with me, it was kind of a package deal. And she had an administrative background and really stepped in to help to bring us up to the 21st century, um, you know, getting electronic um, reservation system and point of sale and our waivers and everything else to make things more streamlined and, and more organized. And we, we continue to have a life together and um, continue to thrive now with the business. So that was a, a big breakthrough year in 2012. Um, ever since then, we've had consistent, considerable growth year after year, record-breaking season every year consistently. So it's been really pretty amazing. 2020, the year of the COVID was no exception. It was became very evident very soon. Um, you know, we were very cautious and slow out of the gate to open. Uh, we opened about a month later than usual um, this last year. And from the moments we opened the door the third week of June, you know, it was just like a tidal wave of people. And it didn't stop at all. It was pedal to the metal. And it was evident people wanted to get away from it all. They wanted to get outside to recreate. And Copper Harbor was the place. So we didn't know what to expect, but we certainly didn't expect it to be that busy. Uh, we had a great team, our staff, and everyone really stepped up. And uh, we grew nearly 18% over 2019 last year. So things were good. I guess one more thing for Keywana Adventure Company I'll touch on now, and I'm going to get into a little more detail here in a bit. But um, after 22 years, have decided that we are going to sell Keywana Adventure Company and kind of move on to our next chapter. But I'll elaborate more on that later in the interview here. Yeah. Let's, let's back up just to, just a touch to uh 2020 year of COVID. And obviously that's starting to overflow into 2021 as we record this. I came up, it's mid August on a Wednesday. And I remember looking down, I guess you could call it main street or us highway 41 or whatever you want to call it. Yep. And I was like, Holy cow. I can't believe how many vehicles are here. And to me, it reminded me of rolling into town when it was a fat tire festival weekend. You know, so to see that kind of, and I knew, I think at that point by August, we knew nationwide and even worldwide how people really wanted to get outside. But it really hit home when I saw what I saw when I rolled into Copper Harbor because I knew it was a Wednesday. And a Wednesday in a normal summer in the middle of August in Copper Harbor, well, there'll be people there, not the numbers that you saw this last summer. No, like so. I said, it was unprecedented, just the number of people here. We, we had been anticipating another big spurt of growth prior to last year, but we didn't know it was going to be that much that fast. We talked to so many visitors here who was their first time. Uh, many of them said they've had it on their bucket list for a number of years. And rather than going out west or international this year, you know, they decided to stay more regional. And uh, they finally made the trip up to Copper Harbor. And um, many of those people said it, they'll be back. You know, it won't be their last time, I think. Um, there was certainly a wow factor with a number of visitors. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody. And there's a lot of people from where I live that come up to Copper Harbor, especially for your Labor Day weekend festivals. I've never talked to somebody that said, yeah, I don't know if I ever want to go back there. Everybody <laughs> that I've talked to, even though it's obviously not the easiest place to get to, yeah. is usually beaming about their trip. And it's, so I know that it's always had a special place with a lot of people. And so once... That first trip is all it takes. And it was, yeah. it was like that for me, you know, yeah. in 2011. Yeah. Once I saw it, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, and it, it's been amazing ever since. Um, let's transition into the, the backstory of the actual Copper Harbor Trails Club. 
you know, we, I, obviously you have played a pretty instrumental role in that and know a lot about it and whatnot. Let's talk about how that got going and what that kind of meant for your community. Yeah. Well, leading up prior to the Copper Harbor Trails Club, we were just kind of a group of loose-knit volunteers uh, running around the woods with chainsaws, I guess you could say. Didn't really know what we were doing, but we know what we like to ride, and uh, we, we just kind of figured it out along the way. Um, I guess back then, probably in the late 90s, you could kind of consider more rake-and-ride type trails. You got to consider, too, and keep in mind, back in the late 90s, really there were no real trails here. Mountain biking back then consisted of two-track roads and dirt roads and lots of old logging roads. Um, a lot of the property in the county up here is owned by timber management companies. And though there's been several ownership changes over the years, um, the owner at that time was very permissive about building trails on their property. There was no guarantee how long they might last because they might be affected by logging operations. But basically their sentiment was as long as we weren't cutting down any trees and as long as we weren't nailing signs on trees, they didn't care what we did. So that gave us like a huge blank canvas at that time to start working on trails. I met um, a guy named Tony Schwen, who was a bushy-haired bushy uh, young lad about the age of 15 when I first met him working at the Mariner North. And he was the second person I met in town who had a mountain bike. We struck up a friendship around that time, too, started doing a lot of riding together. And, and Tony was kind of my sidekick for a number of years. And we started doing a lot of that early trail work, kind of reclaiming old skidder roads that had been abandoned and grown over and kind of connect the dots and make our little paths. Mike Sweeney, um, he's another one of the original mountain bikers up here. He used to work for the state park and uh, he had a hand in kind of building some of the um, early single track trails known as Black Bear and Paul's Plunge. It was around that time too, like in the late nineties before I opened the, or before I got into Keweenaw Adventure Company that um, and during my explorations that I quote unquote kind of discovered the red trail which was originally built as a hiking trail during the Great Depression when they were building the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge as a WPA project. They had all the CCC workers up there that were building the golf course and the lodge and all the cabins. And, and then during that process, they built the Red Trail as a means to get down to Lake Manganese where they could bathe and kind of clean up, you know, after their day of working. So that was kind of an old legacy trail. I didn't know about it at the time, but uh, just kind of came across it, and it was all grown over and up to deadfall and everything, and we just started cleaning that up, and that was really like our first kind of single-track trail. If uh, I know, Josh, you've been up here. If you've ever been on the Red Trail, um, it's kind of in a league of its own. I will say, and, I'm, and I mean this with all seriousness, the Red Trail is one of my most favorite trails that I've ridden, period. And... One of the things I used, I really liked about the, and we'll probably get into this later, but one of the things I really liked about the, the long cross country course back in the early, like early 2010s was that if you did the long course, it was kind of a two lap event and you got to go down the red trail twice. Yeah. And that was like, <laughs> that was awesome, you know? And, and so obviously the red trail is a little bit different today than it probably was during the CCC days. Yes. And you can maybe go into how, how you kind of rehab that trail into what it is now. But that is literally one of my most favorite trails that I've ever ridden. The Red Trail is really the cornerstone, I think, of which the Copper Harbor mountain bike scene kind of evolved from. Kind of combining with some of these other trails, uh, like the Black Bear and the Paul's Plunge. Uh, there was another old cross-country ski trail called the Kamikaze 
that we used to ride. So those were kind of some of our first single track trails. Um, of course, not built to IMBA standards, but um, they were what they were back in the day. They were punishing, they were challenging, lots of elevation, lots of bedrock, lots of features. I remember Tony Schwinn, especially, and his friend Nate Flesher and Nelson Sommerfeld, they would build um, kind of these little alternate lines with all these kind of BC type skinnies and elevated features that were kind of the thing back in the day. We had a number of core volunteers uh, that really helped back in those early days. And many of them are still involved to some extent today from the greater Keweenaw community. Copper Harbor being a community of about 100 year-round residents. Um, you know, our volunteer pool is, is pretty shallow. We do have some enthusiasts up here, but um, it's really the broader Keweenaw area. It's ultimately the Keweenaw community, I would consider, you know, which is about an hour radius stretching from Houghton and all the way north. To Copper Harbor. And, and there's so many people that came out to help back in the, the day with um, volunteer trail days and would step up to help with events. Uh, really too many to name, but um, if it wasn't for those people, it wouldn't have become what it has. I remember um, we'd always have National Trails Day, which I think was the first Saturday of June. And we would always, that was kind of like the opening day back then. And we'd get a good cast of characters upwards of maybe 25 or 30 people. and Everyone would come out and clear the trails and get things open and perform maintenance. And then we would combine it with like a pasta feed at the Mariner that they would always donate and bring in some kind of live music. And it was some kind of an event that was always a lot of fun and community building back in the day. Another big community builder once um, I was at Keweenaw Adventure Company was our Thursday night group rides. Unfortunately, they've kind of fallen through by the wayside in recent years. But back then, Thursday nights were not to be missed. We would have a great combination of local riders um, and visitors from the area. I think back then, really, too, um, before we had good maps, a lot of visitors would come up here and they didn't really know where they were going. So it was a great opportunity for them to kind of get a guided tour and familiarize themselves with the trails. Sometimes we'd divide up into more than one group, but oftentimes we rode together. It was always a no-drop ride. Um, and then going back to the Mariner, that was always a tradition post-opera ride, go to the Mariner for food and beer and camaraderie. And it was always a lot of fun. That was a big community builder back in those early days, connecting the locals with the visitors. And I think we've made a lot of um, longstanding relationships over the last two decades. And many of those people continue to come back today. I guess one of our favorite rides back in the day was based on the Red Trail. It's kind of called the Red Trail Loop. And we kind of pieced together all these little short trails. Um, there's Black Bear, Rock and Roll, French Annie, Bear Chase, Dancing Bear, Red Trail, and Paul's Plunge. And it was only about a nine-mile loop, but the elevation and the challenge, um, it, it was a real fun ride. And fortunately, most of those trails have disappeared because of logging operations or loss of access or other reasons. A few of those are still out there, uh, but most of them are gone. But th those are some of the early trails. Uh, as far as the evolution of the Trails Club continuing in that direction, I believe it was um, 2005, around that time, and Steve Rowe and I were having conversations really to take things to the next level. We needed to move beyond volunteers or being solely reliant on volunteers. You know, volunteers were outstanding. Uh, they did a lot of good things to build a foundation. But the reality is volunteers could only take things so far. Back then, our only real fundraiser was the uh, Copper Harbor Fat Tire Festival. 
was the annual mountain bike race. I happened to be the race director of that from 1998 through 2012. I did it for 15 years and helped to build that event. Um, it's something that the founders, uh, Steve and Julie Brim of Keweenaw Adventure Company, had begun, but helped to really mold that event into a premier regional uh, mountain bike race. It was through our fundraising from that, we did have a little bit of money to work with. Um, and Steve Rowe and I really started talking the need to hire some paid trail builders to really take things to the next level. And it was that summer that Steve was hired along with Brian Seigen and Tim McHugh. And um, we opened up the original Garden Brook Trail. And that was our first kind of paid trail project. It was shortly thereafter, I believe in 2006, when Aaron Rodgers came to Copper Harbor. He was obviously a game changer and, you know, made quite the name for himself up here as a result of all of his work. It was during that time, Aaron, you know, he, he was really into the IMBA program. And we were just kind of a bunch of volunteers making rake and ride trails essentially up until that time. Um, I remember there was a lot of debate and even heated discussion on the need to do that kind of, you know, sustainable built trails, considering the durable terrain and the bedrock and everything we have up here. Uh, but ultimately, Aaron um, took about a half dozen of us down to an IMBA trail building school down in Wapaka, Wisconsin, like a weekend event. And we came back and, and we had seen the light. We were convinced, you know, what could be done with uh, kind of bench cut trails and, and new opportunities that it would provide for us up here in Copper Harbor. So that, that's kind of when we made the transition from our old school rake and ride trails up to um, IMBA standard bench cut trails. I think it was like around 2007, maybe even 2006, we really started to push forward with bigger plans and more opportunities for building trails. Uh, it was around that time that Aaron became um, one of our early paid trail builders too. We would have Sunday afternoon volunteer work days, I remember, on, like uh, working on some of these early trails up at the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge. All the trails with the funny names, there's Zabit and Semat and Didit and... And we did um, say hello, here we go, there we went. A lot of those were combination volunteer and paid trail building efforts. We would have a good cast of people from the Keweenaw community coming up, you know, every Sunday afternoon and, and knocking out, you know, yards of, of trail. Another game changer around that time, I believe it was 2007, was the club. Well, we weren't even a club then. We were just kind of a group. But um, we purchased a gas-powered jackhammer. Aaron had this vision with all the bedrock we have up here and this idea of actually bench cutting with a jackhammer into the bedrock, which was a real game changer. I think Dare We Went, if anyone's familiar with that trail, that was one of the first trails we utilized the, the jackhammer on a lot. And that opened up a whole new world of possibilities. That was a real game changer. Um, and then it was around that time also in, in 2007, I believe, that the Copper Harbor Trails Club officially formed um, as a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, under Aaron's leadership, he was our first president, really had the goal to increase our fundraising, you know, to get more paid trail work hours, uh, increase our capacity and our output of trails every season, worked on events hosting, uh, volunteer recruitment, all of those things that are involved with the club today and really laid the foundation for that. I was the original vice president. I think we had a nine-person board. To this day, I'm the only founding member that has continuously served. So 
I don't know. It's, it's been kind of a, a long commitment for me, but I still enjoy doing it. I'm still passionate about it. I'm serving with the Copper Harbor Trails Club. Kind of that evolution with the club, I think it was 2008, um, we installed the Stairway to Heaven, uh, which was another kind of monumental, game-changing feature. Um, it was a 1,300-foot elevated boardwalk through this kind of ravine that was really not sustainable. I believe there was something like 13 cords of milled white cedar that all had to be hauled up there on our backs. Aaron did wound up doing all the, the actual building, but he had some volunteer help to, to do a lot of the schlepping. So that, that was a big game changer, too, and really kind of made a big connection between the top of the ridge and the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge. Um, and the base down in Copper Harbor is a critical link. I think it was about a year after we had established the club, I'm thinking around 2008 or 2009, that we became an IMBA affiliate chapter uh, for the Copper Harbor Trails Club. Um, we were one of the early on affiliate chapters, um, and we had a regional director who was Hansi Johnson, and um, he really helped to bring things you know, up to a higher level at that time. He worked closely with Aaron and had a lot of experience and a lot of big inputs. So and big, big concept ideas that we've, we're still working to implement some today. So another big accomplishment for the Trails Club was 2010. Um, and the Trails Club purchased our first mini excavator. At that time, I don't know that there were many trail networks um, anywhere, especially in the Midwest, um, that were using uh, mini excavators with machine built trails. Aaron had this idea and we went for it. And um, that's probably been the biggest game changer was that transition from hand-built trails to mechanized trails. Um, that year in 2010, I believe it was, was the year we built uh, the Flow, um, which is about a three-mile, 550 vertical descent. I guess it's actually a two-way trail, but if you start from the top with the descent and you get the Flow the way it was designed to be, giant berms and rollers, and as the name suggests, uh, just kind of like riding a wave through the woods. It's just very flowy, uh, very fun. That was revolutionary, you know, at that time, you know, especially for the Midwest, and it gave Copper Harbor even a stronger identity. The evolution of the Trails Club, kind of similar to with the paid trail builders, we kind of realized our volunteer-led organization could only go so far on the backs of volunteers, only capable of doing so much. And we were increasing our fundraising capacity around that time. and we felt we had the ability and the need to hire a full-time paid employee, um, not specific for building trails, but for managing the organization. And uh, at that time, we hired Lori Hosworth, who was our first executive director. She took on you know, a lot of the responsibility for the events and the fundraising and the outreach and just so much that Lori took on to really um, help to solidify you know our organization kind of during that time she, she remained on until i believe 2018 and then we've hired our second executive director more recently uh, who is nathan miller and he's still with us today i think it was around that time maybe about 2013 aaron up to that time too he had been doing a lot of work with imba imba trail solutions he really you know established his career as a trail builder and became very well-known and very high in demand. Um, he was working on jobs all over the region and all over the country. And I believe it was in 2013 where Aaron decided to part ways with the Copper Harbor Trails Club and form his own trail building business, the Rock Solid Contractors. 
Um, he still remains in Copper Harbor. He's based in Copper Harbor, but he does work all over the country now, especially a lot of work down in Bentonville, Arkansas, more re- recently. So, But he still claims Copper Harbor as his home base, and uh, he still is the contractor that the Copper Harbor Trails Club, who does all the fundraising, hires to perform a lot of the work on behalf of the Copper Harbor Trails Club. So, yeah, that's kind of how we got to where we are today as far as the trail club goes. Yeah, and there's there's a couple of other things like flying squirrel, Danimal, and then I believe it was 2012 or 2013 where you guys were awarded that Bell Bell Built grant when you built Overflow. That's right. How did how did all that stuff go down, and how was that you know kind of play into the, the whole? I look at that stuff as that's what brings the diversity of what you guys have to offer because you not only have the cross country stuff, you also have the enduro slash downhill or gravity or however you want to label that today trails yep. as well. I guess that's kind of along the lines of a transition of when Copper Harbor became trending more in the, in the de- direction of a destination. When we became an IMBA affiliate chapter and Hansi Johnson, our regional director, had a big hand in that, he was able to help us secure um, uh, IMBA Epic Ride designation in, I believe it was 2009, um, which was really big. You know, that really validated our efforts and helped to put us on the map. We realized we could do more. That the Epic Ride was more of a cross-country oriented loop. It was around that time, maybe a year or two later, that IMBA became set up with this Ride Center designation, which kind of won up the Epic Ride. And they scored you on a lot of criteria for the ride center designation. It was a combination of cross-country trails, uh, flow trails, uh, what they consider to be gravity trails or downhill trails, gateway trails, and also points were scored, you know, for being a mountain bike friendly community. So kind of moving in that direction and just diversifying our audience, that's kind of when some of these jump trails or gravity trails came into existence after we had the mini excavator and helped to do that. Uh, like you mentioned, Flying Squirrel, Danimal, I think were some of the early ones. The Bell Built Grant, I believe that was, I don't remember what year that was, maybe it was around 2012, 2013. It was really a testament of the love of Copper Harbor um, because it was I believe it was an $80,000 grant that Bell Helmets had put out there for a national contest. And the winner was determined by the number of votes that it received. So again, coming back to Copper Harbor, having a community of about 100 year-round residents, to get the volume of votes that it took to win that contest, you know, it was through outreach uh, to all of our supporters, uh, the people that came up here to ride, the people had a connection with the area, our local Keweenaw community, our UP community. Everyone voted, and um, we were fortunate to walk away with that prize of $80,000 with the intention of building the overflow, um, which today, arguably, the uh, most challenging downhill trail in the Midwest. It's um, about a 550 vertical foot descent. Um, There's a lot of features. There's jumps and drops, including the overflow gap. Overflow gets its name because it physically goes over the flow trail, um, which kind of crosses, intersects below it, and it's this big gap jump. Lots of pictures out there on YouTube and everything. It it doesn't really do it justice, but 
And then there's kind of some very steep headwalls and rocky sections, very technical. But it's used today, you know, for a plethora of riders to enjoy for recreational riding. And it's also utilized for our events for our downhill course, including um, like collegiate races at Michigan Tech University. They also host their downhill races up here on the overflow. So that that was an exciting time to get uh, that award from from Bell Helmets for sure. Yeah, and to, to put, you know, pictures, as you just said, don't do, especially the overflow feature, they just don't do it justice. And to kind of paint that picture in people's imagination, because this is a podcast and there isn't any visuals, you know, when you're standing at that feature, you have a real picturesque view of Lake Superior. It's, it's, an, it's, an, it's an amazing view. Um, you get it both from the flow trail and from overflow. And that's, that is one of the things that really defines that trail and makes it super unique aside from the fact that it just rides really good. Yeah, it's very unique without a doubt. So, yeah, so I think we've we've uh, we've kind of talked about how you, you know, how the Kiwana Adventure Company came about, how uh, the Copper Harbor Trails Club came about. Um, we've hit on a couple of those, a handful of those key points that really helped accelerate your community into what it is today. Yep. Um, let's talk about the future of Copper Harbor and and maybe some of the initiatives. One of the things we haven't talked about, but we have in other shows with. Copper Harbor is the the Keweenaw Point Trail Project, and just other stuff that you have going on. Let's let's dig into that from your perspective and what that means, what that has done so far, and what that means for the future. Yeah, um, as far as the Keweenaw Point Trail, um, its origins go back, I believe, to about 2004. In 2002, the state of Michigan acquired about 6,300 acres of undeveloped property on the very tip of the Keweenaw Peninsula, kind of known as the Keweenaw Point area, um, including about nine miles of undeveloped Lake Superior shoreline, which added with some holdings that the state already owned, um, I think combined to be about 8,000 acres in total. Um, It was shortly after that time in 2002 that a citizens advisory committee was formed working with the DNR. I was privileged to be invited to participate on that committee. It was about a year-long process, lots of lengthy meetings, all sorts of community input. There was all sorts of user groups represented. Myself and Lori Hosworth represented the non-motorized interests. There was people on there representing motorized interests for snowmobile and ATV trails. There was like Trout Unlimited. There was... UP Whitetails, there was the Audubon Society, Nature Conservancy, there was some municipal officials. It was pretty well represented people on that committee. And through the process of about a year, we hammered out a recommendation um, that was submitted to the state of Michigan for how that land could best be utilized in the interest of, of the public and of the area's residents. And and part of that for the non-motorized side was this vision of the Keweenaw Point Trail, as it's more affectionately known today. Ultimately, starting and finishing in Copper Harbor, by the time it was complete, it would be approximately a 30-mile route that would kind of circumnavigate the whole tip of Keweenaw Point, um, utilizing the shore as much as feasible as really kind of an epic point-to-point trail. It's taken a long time. Like I said, that happened back in 2004. Um, it, it sat on a desk in Lansing for many years. 
finally, maybe 10 years later or so in the early 2000s, momentum was kind of picked up on it again. Lori Hosworth, our executive director, and Dan Kaupi um, here in Copper Harbor really started reaching out and talking to landowners and figuring out how we could really make this thing work. There, there is some private landowners kind of between here in Keweenaw Point, too. So that kind of made it a, an additional challenge, not to mention its remoteness and just the scale of the project. I believe it was, I'll say 2014, when we finally were able to get what's known as phase one on the ground, which is about a three-mile section running parallel and south of Lake Fannyhoe, um, and then running eastwards out of Copper Harbor. From there, it was all like two-track road that we had um, easements on through the Nature Conservancy property. They wouldn't allow us to build a single track, but they did give us an easement on the two-track. And then I think it was several years later, maybe like 2016, that work began on phase two. Phase two was about double that. I think it's about six miles of single track. As compared to phase one, phase two has a lot more dirt, and it's really kind of a flow trail. And I don't know how Aaron and his team did it, but it seems to go downhill both directions. It's pretty amazing. Um, And phase two now um, ends up at Keweenaw Point at an area known as High Rock Bay. Um, That's where things stand today. Phase three, the third and final phase, is the longest, most remote, and most expensive of the whole project. We've been pushing on this for many years now. Um, It's been a very slow, tedious process. Um, Working with the DNR and then the DEQ, there's a lot of wetlands involved, and there's historic areas of significance, and it's really become quite an animal to tame. Um, We are working to rein it in more. The Trails Club has hired um, John Shuby from Rock Solid, who's like their GIS specialist, doing a lot more intensive work out there in the field, boots in the bush, trying to figure out exactly where this trail will go rather than more just a line on a map, you know, like trying to determine, um, you know, sensitivity to wetlands and features that we want to include, you know, and bring people close to these areas. We're, we're hoping by 2022, we can actually start to break ground on at least part of that, but still on the radar, still a big goal, still at the top of our list, but it's a very slow process to get this phase three done. But when it's said and done, it is going to be an amazing trail. Um, in the meantime, like I said, phase one and two are on the ground. Um, it has been open for the duration, and, and it is really fun out and back that people are already enjoying out there in Keweenaw Point. Technically, there's that phase 1.5 unofficially. Yes. That also helps connect phase one and two through the East Bluff property that Aaron and, and his company owns. That's a good point. Yeah, with Aaron acquisition a few years ago of an area known as the East Bluff, which is about five miles east of the village of Copper Harbor. It's essentially a 360-degree mountain. I believe it has about 700 vertical feet. And Aaron and Rock Solid Contracting has purchased the East Bluff and has visions of creating like an East Bluff bike park with all sorts of purpose-built trails. And now that he owns that property, um, we have access to that stretch that we did not originally, which two years ago, I believe, what's now known as phase 1.5 was built. Um, So it really mitigates the time that one needs to spend either on the road or on the two-track 
And probably about 90% of that route between phase one and High Rock Bay now is available on single track. So that's also helped to expand that opportunity out there. So let's get into Cork. You know, Cork is another future initiative that you guys have going on that's kind of more broad and all inclusive of the Keweenaw Peninsula itself. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I guess before I get into Cork, um, you know, a big part of the mission of the Copper Harbor Trails Club, too, is access protection and, and trying to seek more land um, that we can do things on. Um, that's another big grant in addition to the phase three that's in the mix right now and going on for several years. And uh, my understanding is it's very close to closing. We have an agreement with the seller. Uh, they're just kind of working. Actually, the township is going to become the new owner of this. It's going to be about a 160-acre parcel uh, that will be a critical corridor uh, for future access between the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge and then the state-owned property at Lake Manganese, and then ultimately heading out towards the East Bluff um, in the future is a big plan of that. So we're really excited about that from the Trails Club perspective of, of completing this access protection grant that's been in the mix for a number of years now. Uh, we have plans to start developing some new trails on that property, um, including like a crushed gravel easy rated trail. Anyone who knows about Copper Harbor, you know, and, or the reputation they may have heard of, we have a lot of very advanced rated trails, kind of has that reputation for being extreme, which is true. We do, however, have probably about two-thirds of our trails that are rated as intermediate. But what we're really shallow on is easy-rated trails. And with more families coming up here than ever before and people new to the sport, uh, we see a need to start developing more easy-rated trails. Um, and this will connect up to the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge and into a system that we helped to develop two years ago called the Back Nine Trails. Um, which now also represents about another three miles of easy rated trails um, right out the back door of the lodge up there. So this will kind of connect into that easy network and all the way down to the village of Copper Harbor. So we're very excited about that as well. Yeah, that that is a that is a huge piece. Um, when we were in Copper Harbor for Labor Day weekend this last year, the the not Fat Tire Festival, Fat Tire Festival weekend. Yeah, I have I have a family with two younger daughters and my who's now seven, her and I rode you know, the back nine together and, and we had a lot of fun, you know, but you have to, you know, for a seven year old, you have to drive up to the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge to be able to do that. And so to have that link, that's, that would be huge. Yeah. There's currently no easy rated trails between the back nine trails on top of the trail system at the Mountain Lodge and then the base down in the village of Copper Harbor. So this, this will really open things up in a big way. We also plan to build some other types of um, trails on this new access protection too. You know, we'll have some kind of new single track, more intermediate and or advanced rated trails in there too. So a little bit of something for everybody. Part of the vision for the Trails Club too is eventually, once we finally finish this monster known as the Keweenaw Point Trail, um, is to connect communities. Um, ultimately envision like a county-wide trail system. There's Already kind of a preliminary plan in place. It's called the Keweenaw Ridge Trail. Um, and that would connect Copper Harbor to the next neighboring community 14 miles down the shore, Eagle Harbor. Oh, wow. Um, on a high point ridge trail. That would be pretty epic. Basically, if anyone's familiar with the area, it'd be the ridge that runs parallel and south of Brockway Mountain. 
Um, you have elevations maxing out at about 1,300 feet on the top. The views are tremendous up there. It kind of equates to what one might see in Isle Royal National Park, um, except for you would be able to ride mountain bikes on this, as addition to hiking, um, backpacking opportunities. Um, it will be a multi-use, human-powered, non-motorized trail. Uh, we also hope to get you know, a connection over to Lacqua Bell, which is another neighboring community in our township. Um, that's also the home of Mount Bohemia. Possibility, you know, trying to talk to the owner about there, about possibly getting some mountain bike trails on his property. Um, that's kind of part of the vision, too, that if they so desired, like these communities could have like little trail clusters. Um, and then they could be connected by a greater kind of broader point-to-point -point trail system between communities. So those are some big concept ideas that are on the radar you know those might happen 5 10 20 years down the road but um i have no doubt that they will happen yeah a big part of that i think i mentioned earlier about a good majority of the land in Keweenaw county being owned privately essentially like timber management companies there have been several ownership changes throughout the year years ultimately a lot of this property is for sale the company, they want to deal with big parcels, you know, like sections of land at a time. They, they're not really not interested in dealing with like little 40s and things like that. There is now a great opportunity to secure our own future for Keweenaw County. There's an organization that was started early 2020 or late 2019 called CORC, which is the Keweenaw Outdoor Recreation Coalition. It was originally started, um, kind of an idea between Rock Solid and the Trails Club, some other key players, some municipal leaders, business owners, um, conservancy-oriented people. We have been successful in bringing in a whole broad representation similar to that of that Keweenaw Point Citizens Advisory Committees. We have representation from the Snowmobile Club, the ATV Club, the Audubon, the Keweenaw Sportsman's Club, the, the anglers, the hunters, the birders, the Audubon, obviously the mountain bikers, basically anybody who has an interest in outdoor recreation in the Keweenaw. We're all trying to work together. We feel there's strength in numbers. We all have a common goal. Um, and so far, it's been pretty successful in its first year, considering we had challenges with COVID along the way. We've been building a membership. Most recently, um, there has been a real opportunity and a real push to nominate over 15,000 acres of land uh, for acquisition by the state of Michigan um, on the Keweenaw Point area, which would basically protect that whole area between the shoreline area that the DNR already owns um, and Copper Harbor and beyond would really be a huge step in the conservation of the area and our future, future economic vitality. You know, the main industry in Keweenaw County is tourism. And, you know, if this access were to be lost, it really could be detrimental. But at the same time, it's a great opportunity if we can protect this, you know, things would be looking really strong heading into the future. So there's a lot of plans too for countless miles of mountain bike trails and networks and loops and everything that could be developed, you know, kind of spinning off the East Bluff and in between the Keweenaw Point Trail, lots of conceptual ideas. Um, if we're successful in making this happen, it really would be the biggest thing to ever happen up here. We're, we're keeping our fingers crossed. I know the DNR, the, the UP representatives are on board. We should really know more in the upcoming months here, whether they accept this or not. But this is a great opportunity to, to make like a large scale kind of 
I don't know if it would be a state park or a state forest, but something very significant, maybe more on the scale of like the Porcupine Mountains wilderness area. It'd have all sorts of primitive campsites and interpretation along the way and geology. And there's just so much that this place has to offer. So Cork is really pushing this initiative forward. You can check out more information on their Facebook page. They also have a website. Um, We are looking for nominations right now. The more people we get, the better. Um, You don't have to be a Michigan resident to submit that. Um, We need to get that in by April 1st. All that information is on the Cork website. So we would encourage people, if you love this area and like to see that happen, to to make a nomination. Yeah, and we'll we'll put links in the show notes for everything that we've talked about from Copper Harbor Trails Club to Keweenaw Adventure Club to Cork and how you can get linked to that survey and whatnot. So make sure you check out those links to get the information that Sam has been talking about here. As we, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about trails, but trails aren't everything in Copper Harbor. Let's talk, you know, you initially talked a little bit about uh, your sea kayaking and whatnot. Let's, let's uh, talk a little bit about what else there is to do for those that may not that may want to come up for something different than just trails or just have a more diverse experience because they're just into the outdoors. Sure. You know, and obviously it's a huge part of, of what you operate at Keweenaw Adventure Company. Yeah. Obviously Keweenaw Adventure Company is a part of that, but kind of going to the, the bigger picture, the community of Copper Harbor, our slogan is where the road ends and adventure begins. So that really leaves the door open. Really, Copper Harbor and the Keweenaw Peninsula is a four-season destination. It's really an incredible place. It, it's nice any time of the year for its own reasons. Um, I love the four seasons. Um, everything's constantly changing, and there's always anticipation of the next season up ahead. whole variety of outdoor recreational pursuits, whatever floats your boat, so to speak. Um, obviously, what we do with, C- with Keweenaw Adventure Company, um, in addition to the mountain biking, is sea kayaking big part of our operations. We do a variety of guided tours um, here on the mainland, um, anything from a two and a half hour introduction tour. And then we do half day and full day tours to other parts of the peninsula that showcases some of the rocky, rugged shoreline, uh, unique geology, and other some smaller sea caves and arches and sea stacks and barrier islands and shipwrecks you can see like on a, on a clear day, calm day really some premier sea kayaking to be had up here. In addition, Copper Harbor is the gateway to Isle Royal National Park, which Isle Royal is the largest island in the largest freshwater lake in the world, Lake Superior. There's passenger ferry service on the Isle Royal Queen that operates from Copper Harbor. It's about a three-hour crossing over Lake Superior, which is a big part of the adventure to have that experience being out there on the open lake till you get to the National Park, which is a true wilderness. It's about 45 miles long by about 11 miles wide. Um, The only way you can explore Isle Royale is on foot or by boat. Uh, So backpacking is very popular, as is sea kayaking. We do guided trips out there, although this year, due to COVID, we will not be doing our guided Isle Royale trips. Um, However, we do offer rentals, sea kayak rentals for self-guided adventures and we would, with that, include like a fundamental water safety course with some training and safety awareness that paddlers need to be aware of, you know, out there on the big lake. Conditions can change rapidly and cold water hypothermia is always a big hazard out there that people need to respect. So the area 
the Kibunai area in particular is rich with history. Um, it was the site of the first mining boom in the United States, dating back to the mid 1800s. It, it predated the California gold rush. Back then it was copper up here, the copper country as it's more commonly known as the Kiwanau Peninsula. A lot of the original buildings, especially Calumet is a town that's about 30 miles south of here. That's kind of the heart of the historic district. And a lot of the European immigrants uh, came to Calumet to work the mines. They still have a lot of the original buildings and architecture, sandstone buildings and churches and cobblestone streets. And they also have the um, part of the Kiwanau National Historic Park, um, which is one of only several national historic parks in the country. It's kind of an interpretation and still tells that whole story of the, of the copper mining heritage up here. That, that visitor center is also located in Calumet. There are some cooperating sites throughout the peninsula, some copper mines you can actually go down inside of. Um, up here in Copper Harbor, there's Fort Wilkins State Park, which is a military outpost during the copper boom. So there, there's a lot of history for those who are so inclined to learn more about the area. Springtime, what we're coming up on now is an amazing time. We have rushing waterfalls. Uh, there's also a major uh, raptor migration, like the hawks and the eagles and falcons. And they, they all kind of follow their way up the Keweenaw Peninsula. And ultimately, they get to the end of the land here um, on Brockway Mountain. And there will just be hundreds of these raptors flying around in the spring. They've done studies on them. And uh, it's really, uh, if you're a birder, it's a phenomenal time to be here in the, in the springtime to take a close look. And it's actually kind of neat on Brockway Mountain. You can actually look down on top of some of the birds that are soaring around on the, the thermal winds in the valley there on Brockway Mountain. In the summer more, there's you know numerous opportunities for hiking. There's all sorts of nature preserves, uh, parks. There's a number of sugar sand beaches for those hot summer days. Cool dip in Lake Superior can be quite refreshing. Dark skies is another big attraction. That's kind of year-round. Uh, we really have no light pollution up here. No better place for stargazing. Uh, you can see the whole Milky Way galaxy on a clear night. And sightings in northern lights are not uncommon. Some, some great places for the dark sky viewing up here. Winter sports are really big. Copper Harbor is 14 miles from Mount Bohemia. If anyone's a downhill skier or snowboarder, you've probably heard of that. Um, the highest vertical drop in the Midwest, 900 vertical. They kind of promote no beginners allowed. They don't groom anything. They have no snowmaking. Probably two-thirds of the mountain is gladed where you ski through the trees, which is kind of more of an experience commonly found out west. So it's kind of akin more to a western-like ski experience. I can vouch for that. Having spent 13 winters in the Vail Valley, now I'm a Mount Bohemia skier, and I, I really don't miss Colorado too much. It's kind of akin to the mountain biking. You know, it's a pretty unique place and uh, special part of the Midwest for sure. And then, you know, there's obviously a lot of variety of restaurants and breweries and coffee shops and things like that. Gift shops, a lot of artisans in the area, art galleries, and it's really just a neat place, you know, really something for everybody to do up here. There really is. And, you know, getting back on the, the dark sky thing, that's, that is really important. You know, I've seen Northern Lights up there. Oh, probably two or three of my trips. I've been fortunate enough to see Northern Lights up there. My my older daughter, who's seven, she got to see Northern Lights, I think, for the first time when she was probably three or four at the oldest, you know, and that was really unique for her to be able to see at such a young age. So it is a it is a it is an amazing place. It really is. 
yeah, with that, let's uh, let's go into closing. And I know early on you had alluded to uh, having the Kiwana Adventure Company for sale. Let's let's talk about that a little bit, and we'll wrap this up. And yeah, like I said early in the program here, um, I've been the proprietor of Kiwana Adventure Company since 1999. Uh, just Completed my 22nd season at the helm here. About three years ago, then my partner Shelby and I made a decision that we want to move on to our next life's chapter, which will remain here in Copper Harbor. But at that point, we decided we want to sell Kiwana Adventure Company. We've kind of started small. This is probably the biggest um, net we've cast, I guess, as being on this podcast. We started small with the intention of in hopes of finding a customer or maybe a local that has a real connection to the place and to the business and sees what's going on up here. First year was just kind of word of mouth that we shared with people. And then the last couple of years, we've had a sign in the window of the shop. Last fall, we put it out on our newsletter that we have about 8,000 subscribers to and had some few interested parties as a result of that. But this is kind of our next ring outward, I guess, is kind of making this public on the podcast. It's a very successful business. It's had consistent growth year after year. We're really the hub of outdoor adventure, not just in Copper Harbor, but in the Keywana Peninsula. Very recognizable business and a brand that that people go to. We're we're kind of also like an informal chamber of commerce of sorts too. Like people call us for random things like, hey, do you know a good place where we could hold a wedding ceremony or What's the ice like out in Copper Harbor? We want to come up and go fishing or just random things that you might not expect, but people just know of us and we're kind of a go-to. They know we're friendly, we're knowledgeable, we're helpful, and they're, they're not afraid to reach out. We do really feel, I kind of mentioned too, that there is another big growth coming up. Realistically, you know, with all the plans with the Keweenaw Point Trail and the East Bluff and if Cork is successful in securing all of this land, we realistically see that the trail system is going to more than double um, in the next five years. We currently have about 40 miles of trail. Even without the Cork thing, the trails just between what Aaron's got at the East Bluff and what the Trails Club is working on and the, the Keweenaw Point Trail Phase 3, realistically, we will have another 40 miles of trails in about the next five years. Just Copper Harbors being more discovered. We do have a very loyal returning customer clientele. Upwards of about 40% of our customers are return customers. They come back year after year, especially the mountain bikers. Many of them come back multiple times in a given year. We had uh, Michigan Tech University, it's a little dated now, about five years ago. Um, they did an economic impact study and the average visits by the, those who were surveyed, I think was like 3.2 times a year and people coming in from long distances to be here. So that speaks volumes. There's lots of untapped potential, we feel, too, to continue growing the sea kayaking, the retail operations. But that being said, we do have a very turnkey operation. We have an established location, um, which is arguably on the main four corners of Copper Harbor, literally right across the street from the main trailhead and the visitor center and two anchor resorts. We have a, a livery that's right next to the Isle Royal Queen Ferry for high visibility. Also great for those Iowa Royal trips for logistics. We have all of our systems in place. It would make it very easy for a new owner to kind of jump in. As I mentioned, Shelby and I, we want to stay in Copper Harbor. This has been my baby for over 22 years, and I want to see it continue to succeed and continue to thrive. We're willing to stay on uh, during a transition as consultants or even employees or 
whatever it might take, we're going to be accessible and uh, certainly willing to share our knowledge and experience if anyone would so desire. Yeah. And a couple of things we didn't talk about is how you guys also run a shuttle service and have a rental fleet. Yeah. Th- those are big parts of the operation of the business. We uh, mountain bike rentals currently have about 45 bikes, Trek and Kona bikes have, you know, a variety of bikes. We have some technical trail enduro bikes. We have a lot of dual suspension, all mountain bikes. We do have some hard tails. We have some kids bikes, uh, a few cruiser bikes, comfort bikes, you know, kind of for the, the less adventurous crowd. That's a big part of the business. That's about 20% of the revenue is our bicycle rentals. Additionally, we offer a shuttle service kind of akin to a downhill ski area, but rather than a chairlift, we have some vans with custom-built trailers, and we will haul riders from the base at our shop down in the village um, up to one of two high points of the trail system on Brockway Mountain or at the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge. And then from there, it's kind of like skiing. Um, You have an opportunity to access a whole variety of trails, all intermediate or advanced or expert, cross-country, flow, gravity trails, kind of do a whole variety um, and ride for, you know, a whole period of time, which is also a very popular way to experience the trails. Of course, people can climb. Most of the trails are two ways. So, you know, those purists, I guess, people that really want to climb, which I'm one of those people too. I love a good grind up to the top. Uh, That opportunity always exists, but the shuttles kind of expands the uh, opportunities for for more diversity of riders. So that's a big part of the business as well. On yeah. that and the sea kayaking and the retail, those four areas represent uh, about 80% of our total revenue. And then some of the smaller things, you know, like the um, bicycle repairs and mechanical service that we offer. We do some like recreational watercraft rentals, paddle boards, canoes, sit on top kayaks. Um, we do like some guided mountain bike tours as well. Yeah, all together, you know, we kind of have a diverse pod of operations and uh, it's been been an amazing journey, been a real fun ride and, and we hope that it'll continue. So, yeah, well, I I can attest on one of your uh, 3.2 visits, visits per year. Yeah, <laughs> or, or more if, if, if possible. It obviously depends on what, you know, what life throws at you as far as the freedom to be able to get up there. But it's. Yeah. It's a place everyone, especially if you're anywhere in the upper Midwest or even the Midwest, you, it's a it's a must-go destination location. It really is. It's a great place. And, and that's kind of part of my next chapter, too. This place is very near and dear to me. Post-Keweenaw Adventure Company, I really would like to become more involved with community planning and, and working on conservation efforts to protect the special place. And Ensure our quality of life and economic vitality and our sense of place all remain intact. I, I definitely want to transition my life more in that direction, I guess, in, remaining in Copper Harbor for, to ensure its future. Yeah, that's leaving a pretty huge legacy, you know. I'm still very passionate about the trails. It's, it's actually, you know, become a real way of life over the last 20 years and still want to remain involved with the Trails Club and doing what I can to one extent or another. Whether or not I remain on the board, I don't know. but. I, no, I won't say I will or I won't. Shelby, too, she wants to move on to other endeavors. She's really not a mountain biker or a kayaker. Her family recently moved up here from Illinois, and she has an elderly grandmother and wants to help her mom take care of her and, and her brother who needs some assistance. And so, yeah, it's just time. It's It's kind of a changing of the guard, I think you could say, maybe in Copper Harbor right now, similar to when I got in business. 
in the late 90s. There was kind of a number of businesses, uh, people who had been in business for 20, 30 years. You know, it was kind of their time to move on. I saw that opportunity back in 99. I think we're kind of seeing that again now. There's been, um, in recent years, a a number of new owners uh, for some existing businesses. Uh, One of those in particular is up at the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge, which was the historic uh, facility built during the Great Depression that I talked about on the Red Trail. Um, It had always been owned by the county. Unfortunately, it was kind of undermanaged and it was very struggling. It was kind of ultimately bankrupting, bankrupting the county. And um, they put it up for sale a few years ago, and a man by the name of John Muller came in and purchased the place. And he uh, really has a great vision, which um, is really shared with ours, um, with Keweenaw Venture Company and, and with the Copper Harbor Trails Club. Um, he's trying to convert it into an adventure resort. Trails and year-round adventure are at the core of everything that he's doing up there, and he's already proven to be a great partner. I think um, that's going to be kind of more of an anchor on one end of the community as will Keweenaw Adventure Company kind of in the downtown and then the East Bluff um, with Aaron Rodgers, his project um, five miles east of town. Um, those are going to be kind of some key components for the future of the area moving forward too. So, yeah, great opportunity, you know, for someone to make a good life and, and live and work and play in Copper Harbor if they're interested in becoming the next owner of uh, Keweenaw Adventure Company and continuing to carry the ball forward for its next chapter. Yeah. Yeah, that, it does sound like an amazing opportunity, you know. So is there anything else that you'd like to cover that we haven't covered yet? I think I, I think we hit all the topics that we previously sort of discussed and and whatnot. And we got, you know, this is the third, this is the, it's kind of interesting. This is the third part of the three-part Copper Harbor series that I initially put together for this show. Fortunately or unfortunately, it's coming out as episode number 22, I believe, or something around there instead of episode number three. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we're, we're transitioning back into spring. So we're transitioning back into a, another fun summer in Copper Harbor. So the timing of it, I, I think, is about perfect. I guess the only other thing I could think of, Josh, just kind of um, in regard to trip planning, people thinking about coming up here. Oh, yeah. Um, making travel plans. I would say, too, that it's probably not too early for people to start making plans. You know, Copper Harbor is not a real big town. It is kind of limited capacity. Um, especially with some of the motels and cabins in town. Uh, we do have some lodging with Keweenaw Adventure Company, but we are already starting to get solid amount of reservations, um, as are a lot of the other resorts in town. Always like to encourage people to support the businesses that support the trails. Would suggest a visit to copperharbortrails.org. Those are all the supporters of the trails, you know, as far as um, the resorts and motels that support trails, which are most of them in Copper Harbor, I can say. Kind of on a broader scale, there's also copperharbor.org. Um, it has all sorts of information on accommodations, activities, and attractions in the Copper Harbor area. And then keweenaw.info um, is the Convention and Visitors Bureau website with all sorts of things to do and, and see throughout the Keweenaw Peninsula here. And then, of course, our um, Keweenaw Adventure Company website is, is keweenawadventure.com. Pretty straightforward. So we're easy to find, maybe not so easy to get to, but it's worth the trip. Oh, it's definitely worth the trip. It's, you know, and the the drive is, even though it's probably long for a lot of people, it's not a hard drive. It's not like you're driving across Nebraska, as you've probably made that trek numerous times going out to the Vail Valley, that can get really long. And driving driving up into the UP, whether it's from lower Michigan or 
the Minneapolis area or Wisconsin, you know, that's definitely a lot more scenic, a lot more laid back trip. And I highly recommend it. It goes by fast. A neat little tidbit along those lines, Josh, too, is um, there was something that came out a couple of years ago that Copper Harbor was proclaimed to be the furthest community from any interstate highway, which I think we're at least five hours away from the closest interstate. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the continental United States. So it is off the beaten path. You know, once, depending on where, where you're coming from, though, you do ultimately hit a lot of two lane highways, yep. um, which are, you know, a slower pace and, and very scenic along the way. Here in, in Michigan, anyway, um, they have increased the speed limit on a lot of these rural roads from 55 up to 65. So that does cut down on travel time a bit, especially in the summer months. Yeah. Winter is always just based on conditions, of course. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we got it all covered there, Sam. I really, really appreciate getting this interview. Sam and I have been playing a little bit of, I guess you could call it email tag yeah, <laughs> and getting this lined up. But, you know, as all, as all things are, the, the timing was just right and, and we got connected here. And, and so this is great. Well, it's been a pleasure. I, I thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity and look forward to seeing you up here this summer. Oh, we'll be up this summer. And you can't do a three-part series in Copper Harbor without having Sam Raymond. It just, <laughs> <laughs> and even Roger Lunston, you know, a friend of both of ours, said, when are you going to get Sam on the show? You know, so he was really pushing me too. And I'm like, well, we're, we're working on it. We just got to get the logistics figured out. And so I know, I know Roger, who's introduced me to Copper Harbor, is, is going to be excited to hear this episode as well. So Excellent. Yeah, special shout out to Roger and Sue. Thank you very much for listening to part three of the Copper Harbor series with Sam Raymond. Stay tuned as new interviews are starting to ramp up again for the show. If you have liked what you heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, please remember to leave a comment and rate the show wherever you consume your podcasts. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.